Hey, 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 it's B-Rad Celebrity Hairstylist here, your host of the Hairstylist Empowerment Podcast, a platform that allows the voices of the beauty industry to empower with the spoken word. Thank you for joining us on today's show. We're currently over 53,000 downloads. Thanks to you on 40 plus platforms uh, for podcasting, including Amazon Music, Audible, and Spotify. Today's guest is the founder and co-owner of Cool Beauty consulting speaker and author benny is a second generation hairstylist and a true inspiration to everyone he meets he's a seven-time naha finalist and a two-time naha winner an international guest artist and he has coached and mentored salons across the u.s the launch of cool beauty consulting um happened in 2013 and in 2018 he released the book small business for the rest of us one dude's journey benny's book is a business bio which provides insights into the highs and lows of building a successful business in the salon industry let's welcome today's guest benny pollard rock and roll man thank you for having me yeah, it's great. So welcome, Benny. So tell us, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background. Uh, well, beginning, uh, I, I believe I was probably uh, eight or 10 when my mother went to beauty school. So I grew up watching her go to beauty school and, and all the change that uh, that she went through. And what I mean by that is the changing of her hair. So I got very used to change very quickly. Yes. Uh, uh, one thing led to another and, and I decided to venture into those footsteps uh, and as, as a teenager and I've been doing it ever since. So second generation and, and uh, loving every minute of it. And once I ventured into it, then I realized just how big this industry really is and the unlimited opportunities. Exactly. So today we're going to be talking about your new book, so which I have here and I've read cover to cover, <laughs> which is amazing. And I love, love, love this book. So today we're going to talk about your book, Small Business for the Rest of Us, One Dude's Journey. Right on. How did you come up with this name and is there meaning in the title? Uh, it is. Uh, it is, Brad. And, and you know, the you know, like some of us, some of some of us others, we have, you know, some some troubling backgrounds and so forth. And uh, and when we have troubling backgrounds uh, and upbringing, a lot of times, you know, society has a tendency to think, ah, well, you know, maybe maybe this person isn't going to make it, you know, based on their their situations and so forth. Uh, and one student's journey is the subtitle of the book. And that is in there simply to let folks know that, hey, regardless of your background, regardless of your situations, uh, you can rock and roll too. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and I spelled that out in my, uh, in my book. And that's one of the reasons we call it bio business, because there is a little bio in there. And then there's a whole lot of business, both wins and losses uh, that women want to share with folks. Exactly. And that was, uh, you know, it was very important to me to share that story. And for those of you who, you know, decide to take the book on and read it, you'll you'll see exactly what we're talking about as far as the uh, the beginnings. Exactly. Uh, you've, you've had quite the journey um, thus far. So reading the book, it pushed a lot of buttons for me and brought back a lot of memories and of my journey of when I first started doing hair and, and life and how we're um, like almost paralyzed parallel um so what you what took you so long to share your story well because of the privacy of the of some of it you know it was something i wanted to make sure that my mom was comfortable with as well 
Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, um, she passed away before she could read the book. Mm. Um, uh, she did. Uh, I did ask her permission to share our story, our family story. Uh, uh, and she was cool with that. So it took me a little while to get that out. And secondly, um, it's hard to have, a, uh, I think, a real good, true business story and any type of a journey until you're having the journey. Um, exactly. So, you know, once <laughs> enough years, uh, you know, were banked. And then there was a lot of information that I could share. Again, both good and bad. You know, a lot of business books are all about how wonderful life is and how think positive and you're going to be successful and this is going to be this. And and they and then a lot of it, a lot of writings are about, you know, small business, what they call small business. And and small business is 500 employees or something. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's very few salons out there that have 500, you know, employees. Some do, of course, but yes. the majority of us are, are smaller. Uh, and I wanted to share that story, you know, for all of us around here that have the five chair operation, the two chair operation, the 20 chair operation and so forth. The principles that I outline and and I would like to, I would love to say that I created it, but I didn't. I'm simply the I I, imp, I learned, mm-hmm. implemented, translated and now and interpreted and interpreted. And now that I'm, I'm going to share it, my experiences through that that thing. Uh, but the principles are solid, whether you have a one chair operation or you have a 40 chair operation. Exactly, exactly. And I think the I mean, just having a, a business and the business principles, I think it's a podcast on its own. So we may have to have you back again because we're going to talk about that today. But people, people love love. So please share your story about how you met your wife. Huh? Well, uh, it was a little bit of a, there was a tiny bit of a matchmaking thing, but she happened to be working. We both worked at Saks Fifth Avenue in South Florida in the Fort Lauderdale store, uh, which was, that was dangerous in itself. Uh, and uh, I worked in the salon and she was working for a skincare brand uh, on the floor. And she was very successful at that. One of the top sellers of that particular brand in the country. And, um, you know, she, we, she eventually came up to the salon. I cut her hair, asked her out. And that was like a gazillion years ago. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, we've ever since, you know, she's my best friend. She's my wife. She's my everything. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the greatest thing in relationships is that communication is that, well, it's tough. And being in the life of a beauty professional, it's, um, it's really difficult sometimes because when you're first in it, you're putting a lot of hours in and somebody who's not in that business or understands that business. When you say you're working all the time, you're really working all the time. And yeah, oh, and, and for you, you're a go-getter. So one thing that you have done, you're a seven-time Naha finalist, a two-time Naha winner. I'm sure our audience would love to hear about your Naha journey. So how did you get into Naha? Um, did you know about Naha before? How do you put your collections together? Like just everybody who's thinking about Naha, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they would love to know your journey. Um, well, uh, it, it, it's a little bit of a journey, so I'll be I'll be as succinct as possible with it. Mm-hmm. The the beginning, one of my second my second salon I worked in happened to be tied to a modeling agency with photographers and so forth. That was my entry into for, for photographing my work. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a few years later, I recognized that you know there there was a thing called the North American Hairstyling Wars, mm-hmm. and I found it through Modern Salon Magazine. You know, I was a very avid reader of all things beauty. Yes. Uh, and, you know, as I looked at it, the inspiration was just off the charts. And 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 I want to do I want to give one little section on the power of visualization. Mm-hmm. When I first started looking at some of that work in, in the mid 90s, early mid 90s, 
I'm like, okay, I would visualize my collection and I would visualize being my name being called uh, and I would visualize myself going up on the podium and accepting the award. And I'd already rehearsed my acceptance speech, uh, literally out loud. Here's who I think. Here's how I think about it. And the reason I wanted to share that is because there's a lot of brilliant work out there. And but a lot of times folks don't believe they can do it. So that's why I want that nugget. Now, as far as collections are concerned, uh, a lot of my collection, I basically will build right in my living room, if you will. Everything, all the wardrobe, uh, the, the hair and so forth. And sometimes my vision for a particular look will be one way. And then when, when it comes through my mind into my hands, it comes out something different. Mm-hmm. Usually, usually, you know, good. I enjoy it, too. Yeah. The thing about the I liked about Naha was because of the the sheer size of the challenge. I'm like, this is gonna, this is monumental, and mm-hmm. and I I feel confident that I can do it. And the reason I always put finalist in there too is because I want people to realize that there was five times I didn't win. Uh, yes. And you know, the, in the very beginning of that is, you know, at first you start thinking like, oh my god, well. What do you mean I didn't win? My work was good. My work was that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the second time you don't win. And it's like, okay, well, maybe it's maybe it's politics or it's exactly, it's, exactly. That, you know, and, you know, and then yeah. I, I'm so grateful that I continued to, you know, to do the collections, um, you know, because there, eventually I did win one, but it was the persistence. So the, a part of the story is the sheer persistence of it, too. And of course, it was expensive as hell. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I'm telling my wife, Maria, I'm like, Maria, she goes, oh, my God, how much is that going to cost? Yeah. Yep. So. Well, yeah. when you're doing the clothing, you're doing the, as I say, I did a competition for eight years, the time that you put right. in and what you have to do and you practice and you, and that's the thing, because I've been like you, where I've been on and people are like, you should have won that. You should have won that. And it's like, then do you bury your head in the sand or you just mm-hmm. pick yourself up and say, I'm going to go again. And I'm going to, you know, prove that I deserve. <laughs> that is so well to said, win. Brad. I mean, uh, I almost put my head in the sand. And, and and stopped and and I don't know why I didn't mm-hmm. um, and we just continued to do it and and today to this day I, I I share with salons and stylists that one of the things that changed my professional life completely was photographing my work mm-hmm. uh, I mean it, it kept me in the game it yes. has propelled my career it is one of the most important things I believe that a hairdresser can do and besides mm-hmm. Throughout a long career, you can document your work. What's your work look like at four years in? And what's it look like at 18 years in? Exactly. Well, it's, a, it's a wonderful storyboard for your career. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think having looking through the lens of the camera, you see things differently, I think, oh, very much. than you would if you're looking with your physical eyes. It helps you better with positioning. It helps you better with lighting. It helps you better. This angle would look better or you know, what cast shadows or just a lot of things. Cause here where I am, I was in the judges program and I learned mm-hmm. a lot from the judges program of what they're looking for. Um, and that sort of thing. And the funny thing is I am a hairstylist, but I also did makeup when I first started. Oh, so okay. I was in the, I was in the judges program. They put a, a picture of a model up there. They were talking about how great the makeup was in the hair, but it was my photo. So ah. they, they didn't know it was me who did it. So oh, that's cool. I'm like, ah, bonus. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but you know, that that's one of those things I think that people deal with. And what we're going to kind of go into next is like there's some that deal with this in regard to their belief systems. 
you have three questions in your book when dealing with any thought or situation. Uh, so one yeah. is, where did the belief come from? Two, is it true? And three, will it help me or hurt me? So can you explain in a nutshell these three questions? Well, um, originally, my very first employer introduced me to positive thinking, if you will, uh, and, and how the mind you know, determines our outcome. Uh, and as I would teach business practices or, or hair technique practices, whatever I would be teach, uh, you would always hear that people would say things like, well, that's just not me, or here's my problem, or here's how I do it, or and, and whatever it might be. And I would always ask them, I'm like, okay, so where did that come from? Right. And one of my exercises is, is remember names. So I ask a, a group of in my class, how many can remember names really well? Mm -hmm. A couple hands come up. Then I ask how many are terrible at remembering names. And then of course the rest of the class, you know, everybody <laughs> basically. Yes. And and then, and then my question for him is, is when did that happen to you? Can you name the time, the day, the event that caused you to all of a sudden stop remembering names? And of course there is, it doesn't exist, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. that's where I ask them, okay, so the, the the not being able to remember names is a thought. You have this thought. Now, the first question is, where did that thought come from? The belief, mm -hmm. where did it come from? And almost always, there's all uh, almost every question too, I should say, not just to remember names, is I don't know. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, if we don't know where it came from, this, then let's look at the second question. Is it true? Well, if there's not even an origin for the belief, mm -hmm. then how could it be true? Yes. Well, it sure feels true. Well, of course, that's how the mind works. It's supposed to feel true. That's why you believe it. Mm -hmm. And then the third part of the question is, if you continue to harbor that particular belief as truth, yes. will it help you or hurt you? Will it move your career forward or will it hamper your career? Will it build mm -hmm. better relationships or will it hamper your relationships? And you can run that three question exercise on every thought that runs through your head. And, you know, and sometimes it'll be like, dang on it. My mom gave me that thought. Well, yep. okay. <laughs> now you know where it is. So yes, exactly. Whether or not you want to keep it or not. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So with that, do you also believe it's a self that we kind of give our own self-limiting beliefs by saying, I can't remember names. So you say it enough to yourself that you start to believe it. You know, as I say, mm -hmm. it doesn't come from anywhere. But then you're like, well, I am this or I am that or I'm not this or I you know, I can't remember names. So if I remember that I can't remember names, then I think the body reacts or the brain reacts in the same way to say, okay, you can't remember names, yep. then you won't remember names. That's right. <laughs> Base value, man. You know, the thing about the, yeah. how this works, and I have to say, I, I really got more in, in more, I got deeper into understanding the folks, people, the, the longer I was a hairdresser, because, you know, after a while you, you talk to people that are sitting in your chair and you're like, wow, is this person even in reality, right? I mean, you know, and, and the reason I say that is because you'll have someone, you know, a very good looking person looking mm -hmm. in the mirror and they're going to tell you how ugly they are or how they yes. don't like their forehead. I don't like this. I'm like, who in the world told you that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that's exactly. You know, and that's one of the big challenges, I think, for somebody behind the chair, because you're not only creating beauty or you're bringing out the best in your your client, but you're also a type of therapist because you're hearing all their stuff, but you're also seeing all their flaws mm. like in the way that they see them, but the they may say, them. cover my ears because my ears are big. And you're like, I don't even see, or I have a bump on my nose or I have this. And you're like, I would have never seen it. And I'm like right. looking at the mirror at you. And I haven't even been 
you know, with you a few minutes, but some people, they go about all the things that are wrong with them. So I think we need yeah. to kind of redirect people and tell them what is right, you know? And and I think some people, I had this, um, this lady, she, I did a makeover for her. She looked incredible, incredible, but she wasn't used to getting noticed. She was used to mm. being in the background. Nobody says anything about her or you do an amazing makeover. You get home, the, the, the spouse is intimidated. They're like, go back in. And then they want you to kind of ugly it down. <laughs> you know, you do a great well, you know, vibrant color and then they're yeah. like, no, it's too bright, you know, yeah. but, the well, person, it, it, but the client's happy. Yeah. It robs their, the, it, that's a really good point, Brad, because the people around you, you know, if you start messing with their comfort zone, that's a whole thing too. Yep. Right. Well, that no, wait a minute. That's not my mom. You're not my mom. Or wait a minute. You're not my spouse or you're not my husband. That's that's, you know, I know you this way. Don't do that. Right. So yes. <laughs> uh, it's really, it's really the mind is fa so fascinating. Yeah. And that's another reason I wanted to do the book, because I wanted to share some of my things I've learned over the years. And 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 with a, with, with that in mind uh, mm -hmm. on that, you know, tech, the way I grew up, I wasn't supposed to be this guy. Uh, and, and, and yeah. it's, and it's something that I'll make sure that I want to share with my audience, your audience, our hairdressing mm -hmm. industry as a whole, we're important. Nothing happens without us. Nothing exactly. happens without us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what I found with your book. And that's why I love, love, loved your book. Because as I read your book, because you don't just talk about business right away, you talk about your journey. And what I found is I actually knew you. I knew your family. I knew your wife, even though we'd never met. But right. the way that you write it, because you write what you know, is I felt empathy. I I felt for everybody in the book. I'm mm -hmm. like, I think I already know this guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it brought out my own journey and that sort of thing as well. And to put yourself, especially your your real raw self into a book, I, I think is a lot. But one, one part of your book I'd like to focus on um, is the nine elements of in-person branding. So I think with our audience, they love branding, um, you know, or they want to know more about it. So this, I feel, is a tremendous value for our audience. So I'll kind of give you a section. And if you want to say one or two lines about it. So the first one mm -hmm. is eye contact. Uh, well, this this will actually touch base on the on the on our belief structure again, mm -hmm. you know, People, most people believe that you can't trust someone if they don't look you in the eye. Mm. Well, that really couldn't be more false because the people that will steal from you the most will look you right in your eyeballs. Yes. <laughs> so that's a false belief. However, because society does believe it, it's critical to look at people in their eyeballs. Exactly. So, so what about a person's smile? If they have one, they don't have one. You know, if they're wearing their emotions. <laughs> exactly. Their well, I think the smiles, everything. And a lot of times, yeah. you know, I, I've heard, heard people talk about, well, I don't like my teeth. I don't like this. I'm like, it's really not the teeth. It's yeah. the eyes. It's the face. It's the mm -hmm. it's, it's a glow that happens when people smile. Yes. And I and I think it's also contagious as well, because if you're up and you have energy, I think energy is contagious. If you're stiff, your lips are tight, you're you're you know, you're brow is frowned and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So the next is the hand. So what about a handshake? How important is that when you're branding and people are first meeting you? Well, if we think about something, if we, when we, most, most of the hairdressers, when they take a cape off a client, when they're finished, a general statement that they'll usually hear many times is, Oh, I feel so much better. Uh, and that's an indication that 
we're actually in the self-esteem business. So mm -hmm. if we're going to be in the self-esteem business, then we need to make sure that we transfer the correct energy to the customer. And the handshake in all of its forms is, is the first physical touch in which you transfer your mm -hmm. energy. So if you transfer it with a, a quality firm handshake, then you're going to be transferring confidence to that person and therefore building trust in them to trust you with their self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And, and it's the most, you know, a good handshake is the most recognized greeting in the world. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, and I know COVID threw a wrench in the whole thing, but I think we're cool mm -hmm. now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's incredibly important to transfer energy. And, and a lot of times if I get quote unquote, you know, the dead fish handshake, you mm -hmm. know, the, talk the about it, it questions <laughs> my confidence in that particular transaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think too, we're one of the few professions that we're paid to touch people. So it's not right. only when you first meet them, but also when you're bringing them back to the shampoo bowl, there's always that exchange of energy there as well. And how you handle right. them, even before they get to the hairstylist chair, they have the opinion probably of the shop or of the stylist or how everything works just from that experience at the shampoo bowl. So a lot of um, owners just let their let their staff wear anything to work. So mm -hmm. how important is wardrobe um, in a professional setting? Well, currently, it seems to be a little bit of a hot topic. Um, however, I've always been a, a belief in in some sort of, of consistency mm -hmm. in the business. Uh, if we think about, you know, the, some of the most successful businesses in history, mm -hmm. we're going to see a uniform, and I don't mean that literal, but we'll see yes. a consistent uniform look across the brand, uh, and so that it's extremely recognizable for the public. Now. I also believe that that people can be individualistic in the way they want to present themselves. Mm -hmm. One thing that I will say when it comes to wardrobe is however you present yourself, is going to cause some the, the, the attraction of a, of a like mind, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. So I learned early in my career that the hair that I wanted to do or the money that I wanted to charge was a particular demographic. Yes. And the way I presented myself would either attract that demographic or repel the demographic. Mm. Uh, and so when choosing a, a dress code and choosing how you want to put yourself together, uh, I would definitely take all those considerations in uh, on what your end goal is. My personally, I like a consistent all black mm -hmm. theme. Uh, uh, however, I do, I, I do enjoy many different types of fashion. But with that, the, the, the main thing is that the caveat is think about your audience and how do you want to present to them? And that will determine your wardrobe choices. Yeah. And that makes a big difference because a lot of think, people think I'm just going to wear whatever is comfortable for me, but they don't realize yeah. what kind of image they're presenting to their clients. If you're going to come in with a ripped, you know, T-shirt and jeans or like stained T-shirt, obviously, maybe your work's amazing and you have a new client. They're going to, you know, naturally assess you right away before you you even start. So which kind of brings right. us to the next thing, which a subject maybe some people say stinks but what about scent <laughs> sometimes you're shampooing and your armpit is over their head at the sink <laughs> uh, you know one of the uh, one of the biggest stingers i ever got as a salon owner was one of my clients um she had been shampooed and conditioned and was put in my chair and i approached her and and started to you know to cut her to comb on her hair and she, she motions to me to lean down and so i lean down to her and she turns to me and she says, Benny, I'm not paying you the kind of money I pay you to come in here and smell cigarette smoke. Mm -hmm. 
the young man who had just shampooed her had just come in from his cigarettes uh, break mm-hmm. and and pretty much ruined the whole yep. shampoo experience for her. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't like how that felt, of course, but no. she was exactly right. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, that is one of the things that we've learned about scent that I've learned about. That was a stinger about scent. Yes. We watch a customer walk up to the, the retail. They open the bottle. They smell the bottle. Mm-hmm. I can smell a certain food and be in my grandmother's kitchen like that. Yes. Right. So mm-hmm. fragrance is so ultra powerful uh, that it, we really need to be aware of it, you know, and 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 be on purpose with fragrance. Yeah, now, and- I personally love fragrance. Uh, yes. However, you know, I don't want my my cologne going in the room before I get there. Exactly. And if some people are very sensitive to scents, like for me, I'm highly allergic to cigarette smoke. I wouldn't want to be around. And that's one thing, even walking in the town I live in, you see these hairdressers outside the door of the salon smoking. So for me, I would never go into that salon or somebody microwave their lunch and it's wafting through the Oh, walking through the salon the yeah. <laughs> but uh, but those are things i think that people don't realize even the same like their posture how they sit how they stand are they like mm-hmm. so what about posture and like because i think that impacts probably your presence as well how uh, people posture, perceive you. you know posture is everything um one, one of the things that i i recognize early on and i do share this in the book i believe um a group of of uh, students they're probably about 12 13 years old or so um mm-hmm. it was a, it looks like, i think it was an all-girls school uh, yes. they were crossing the street to get on the bus they were all about the same height except this one particular young lady that was i mean head and shoulders taller than all the rest of them uh, yes really bright blonde hair and really tall and she was stooped over like i mean, it's amazing how far over she was her she was stooped as she was trying to blend in with the rest of their crew because she was so much taller. And, you know, even from afar, her posture told me her whole story. Mm. Right. And so my question for folks is how do you walk into the room? Because people are going to read your body as much as they're going to listen to you and much as they're going to look in your eyes. And they're going to say, does this person carry themselves in a way that I want to be around them? Mm hmm. Exactly. You like, am I a tall, confident woman or I'm going to come in hunched over because I'm self-conscious of my height. Right. And of course, that's what they're going to see. So maybe she's not timid and this and that, but because she's sensitive to that one area of her life, she's going to carry it over and people are going to see her all hunched over. But years of being hunched over probably is going to make her. (laughs) Well, you know, and even even doing hair, I I discovered uh, that I could have a stool and I could do, you know, probably half of the haircut I could do setting down. Mm -hmm. Uh, So from a from a ergonomic standpoint, you know, pay attention to your posture, you know, for that. And that that really helped me for a long time as, as far as the being behind the chair. Exactly. And something we're doing now, and I think a lot of beauty professionals struggle with is dialogue and delivery, because a lot of them, what they say is, what do you want? Same as last time, same color as last time they run away, you know, and the client's like, I'm thinking I want to change. Oh, I didn't really, you know, I need that tweak. So with dialogue and delivery, how important is that as part of your branding? Uh, you, You know, Brad, I think it's probably the biggest one. And, you know, what I noticed over the years was the, the sheer speed that mm-hmm. people spoke. Uh, and, I, and I'm like, I didn't really understand what in the hell they said because mm-hmm. uh, it was so fast. Yes. You know? <laughs> and all of us, all of us have, have been in a situation where someone has said something to us 
uh, and we didn't understand what they said. Mm -hmm. And for some strange reason, you know, we won't ask them to repeat it. You know, yes. maybe we don't feel embarrassed or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So they don't, they never even get the information. So with that said, you know, speaking in itself with the customer is the transference of ideas. Mm. If I have a certain look that I want for you, I need to be able to deliver the information in a way that you can understand it, digest it, yes. and I can take and create great designs for you. Likewise, with rescheduling their next appointments or whatever yes. they might be doing, you know, they have to be able to hear and understand what you're saying. And mm -hmm. and and one thing I'd like to close on this little section mm -hmm. is when if someone doesn't hear you, mm -hmm. it's on you. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. We can't paint, point the finger and say, oh, they weren't listening. No, no. It's on you to make sure that they understand and they hear what you're saying. Because at yeah. the end of the day, your ability to communicate is going to be directly tied to mm -hmm. your financial well-being. Exactly. Or repeat back what you believe you heard. So then Correct. that way you're going to give them the great service and that sort of thing. So the, the last two, as say, I think they're kind of tied in together. So I always had my staff come 15 minutes before you know, and then uh, stay 15 minutes after that was part of their obligation. But I think this is one important thing is punctuality and also attitude, because I think they're kind of tied in together. Well, you know, part of that too, Brad, is it goes back to that, that the, the thought about the three questions. So when people are like, I'm always late, why I'm always late, why I'm always late, ah, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's part of that deal too. Um, I have one, one thought about time and, and being on time and being punctual, you know, time's non-refundable. Mm -hmm. I can't give someone back their time. So if I'm, if I run late on them and I take their time, I can't, that is, that's unforgivable. You, you can't give someone's time back. No. Uh, and I think it, Transferring into the last one, which is attitude, is if we if we control our attitude, and that's the key word, control, right? Yes. Because you know, attitude is a decision. If we if we control that correctly, things like the punctuality and all, all the rest of the stuff will will happen on its own. That's why it's like number nine. It's like the one that wraps up the the package, yes. the nine elements. Uh, and the thing, the reason I think the nine elements is so critical is because. In our, especially in our world today with social media, and, and we've all experienced this, we, we see a really cool thing on social, it's a restaurant, it's a store, it might be a yes. hair salon or whatever it is, and it looks so exciting and so beautiful and so sexy on social, and then I go to the, to the business and I get treated like crap, the mm -hmm. service is terrible, and everything's terrible, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, how come that didn't add up? Yes. So I, I suggest to all businesses of, of all ilk is make sure that your the experience inside matches that social images mm -hmm. out there because they don't always match. And that's, and that's a thing. Exactly. Cause on social media, everything's wonderful. Your salon is packed. The images are beautiful, you know, and people go because that's what they're going to look at. Same with going to a restaurant. You see this amazing dish and you get right. it and it looks nothing like yeah, what the, yeah. what the, what the, what the picture is, but going on. Um, so how important is it to have a mentor? Oh my God. Uh, it, it, there isn't there isn't anything more important than having a mentor and 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 one thing I'll say about mentors you don't have to know your mentor you don't have to have ever met your mentor yes you know some of my mentors I, I there's a few that I did meet later on but I mean I'm I'll be a little old school here I mean yeah I'm the I'm the Irving and Rita Rusk I'm the mm -hmm. Trevor Sorby I'm the you know the Jerry Cusenza and and, yes. and all of that I mean that's yeah. you know and I've met I, I have met Trevor once before years mm -hmm. ago. But the rest of them I hadn't never met, but they yeah. changed and mentored my career. 
uh, and inspired me greatly. And and the list goes on and on and on. It's, oh, that's yeah. you that come to the top of mind. Yeah, because I think we've been doing hair about the same amount of time. You have a couple of years on me, but we're close. But the nice thing with Trevor, Trevor, he only had one little shop and that was it. He mm-hmm. just kept everything that one. He didn't expand. He didn't do, you know, his his products are, you know, he, he went out, which you did as well. So now you have hairstylist, salon owner, product line, speaker, author, you know, to name a few. How um, do you feel about the value of education? And tell us about Cool Beauty Consulting. Uh, well, education is, is to me, it's a, an addiction. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a phrase that I heard years ago called positive addiction. So we can, we can addict ourselves to the good stuff too. So an education is one of those for me. Um, I'm a big audio person. My, again, my first person, my first employer taught me how to, to buy things on audio, right? That was the first Mm -hmm. time. And I have a vast library on audio. Uh, so that's number one education uh, for me is, there's three, there's three levels of it. So education, first of all, is validation, yes. interpretation, and inspiration. Validation is when a, a sage hairdresser, you know, the, the, the crusty hairdresser that's yes. been doing it for <laughs> years, you know, goes yeah. to a show mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and the artist will say something that, that, that they, they believe to be true and they've been thinking and doing themselves. So now they're validated. Okay. Cool. Thank you. I thought I was thinking right about that. Bam. For crying out loud. Mm-hmm. The second part is interpretation. So you and I go to a workshop and we see a wonderful technique delivered. And then I put it in my big old kettle worth mm-hmm. of recipe. And then I yes. interpret it, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Benny way or the bread yes. way. Yeah. And then the third part is the inspiration. I might not get something technical that I learned at that class, mm-hmm. but my fire was stirred up. Yes. My fire is burning brighter now. And to me, that is the most important if I can keep my fire burning bright, I can rock and roll. Uh, and even if I'm not cutting hair that well and I'm inspired mm-hmm. and my fire is bright, oh, yes. it's over, you know? Exactly. Uh, so exactly. That's, and, that's and, what I love about that. Yeah. And the fire and the inspiration. So with so I've I've checked out your, your website. And mm-hmm. the great thing is, so where can people find you online? I know that uh, Cool Beauty Consulting, they have some great online uh, freed and paid education. We Do you want to talk about that, that as well? Yeah. So cool which beauty. which is great, you know. <laughs> cool BD Consulting is a, it's a full service distributor and education and consulting firm, and we work primarily in the Midwest. Uh, and by the way, my my book is available on that as well. Uh, and you know, so we service we carry multiple brands and we service salons around the Midwest. So that's you know the the Ohio, Chicago, uh, yeah. Michigan, and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do a tremendous amount of education on behalf of us as Cool Beauty Consulting, and we do education on based on our brand portfolios as well. Uh, so they could visit our education page on Cool Beauty Consulting, and there'll be a myriad of of workshops and hands-on tons tons there yeah (laughs) and brands and everything well our time has gone we only have about two minutes left (laughs) i know hard to believe that's why we need you back for a part two but (laughs) absolutely it'll be a pleasure brad yeah so and we'll talk more about business get in because that's an incredible like you have so much in this book so much in this book i recommend everybody get it um so i want to say thank you benny for being on 
today's uh, Hairstyles Empowerment Podcast. I want to make sure that everybody to be sure to join this May 7th to 12th, 2023 on the Mayan Soul Beauty Industry Cruise, leaving from Miami. Check out cabin pricing, grab your tickets, check out more at www.beautyindustrycruises.com. Um, all the cabins are booked through me, so make sure you contact me and you don't just book online. Uh, we'll see you there and we'll see um, you next time. So bon uh, Benny, if you want to give a, a shout out um, kind of where they can find you on social media. Get in the camera angle hey, so here. Me, it's at, <laughs> uh, at Benny Pollard for Insta and then yep. uh, Benny Pollard uh, Facebook page. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. So I want to say thank you everybody for joining and we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, Brad.